0: People are separated from God. It is one of the broken places in our world that leads to all the other broken places. That's what we've been talking about all month. And uh, as, we, as we explored in week one, uh, how do we participate in healing that broken place with God? Well, we do it by joining Him in, in making His appeal. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul says. God is making His appeal through us when he gives us this message of reconciliation we are ambassadors right that's all we've been talking about but the the sort of uh, underlying theme of this sermon series has been something called the credibility gap the credibility gap because uh, we have a message of hope we have a message of life and redemption in jesus all of that but how do you share that message in a time when people don't want anything to do with the church Or when people have a, there's no credibility left in their eyes uh, for Christians. And they think that uh, because of the actions of people claiming to follow Christ, uh, that that our message isn't really one to listen to. How do you bridge the credibility gap when there's a major issue of bringing people back to God? That's what we've talked about. So uh, we're going to get into our final week here in just a second. But before we do that, a couple of things. Number one. Weekend of service is coming up. It's this next week. And I just want to add my little two cents to what Amy already shared. It is, it is a great way for you to, uh, to put some skin in the game and get out there and into our world. There's all kinds of projects. Some are, are going to be in the building. Some are going to be out in the community. Lots of ways for you to, to tangibly love our world and represent our king, okay? But there's also a little, a little sub reason to do this. I know that many of you feel very disconnected. You feel like you don't have a lot of friends. You feel like you don't really know anybody. Maybe you come to church and you leave and you don't really have many conversations at all. Weekend of service, is a perfect, self-enclosed little experience where you will be with a group of other people that you can maybe make a friend. You can make some connections. And at the very least, you can spend some time doing something important and meaningful with somebody that when you come back the next week and you're at church and you see them, you can be like, hey, you're the person from the thing. You'll have some connections. If you're feeling isolated, weekend of service is your next step, okay? Throwing that out there. All right. One other thing I want you to be aware of because so much uh, of the credibility gap that exists in our world happens because people are very skeptical. Of what we are claiming and the things that we say we believe. And so uh, because of that and because I want to give you some some sort of ways to take next steps, I am going to be teaching again my Bible class for Bible skeptics. This is something that I did back in the spring and I'm going to be doing it again. Uh, This is going to start on Wednesday nights in October. You can see the website there if you want to sign up or or, uh, attend. But this is essentially my attempt, my uh, approach to Helping someone who is skeptical, because I'm a skeptic, to helping someone who is skeptical about the Bible and and is this book really to be trusted? Can we really even, you know, is any of it legitimate at all? I'm helping uh, anybody who wants to listen to have me share a little bit of my own journey through my skepticism, my path that I've found through skepticism, to bring me to the place where I am today, where I love this book. I'm a huge Bible nerd, and I think it has incredible authority to change our world. So how did I get there as a skeptic? That's what the class is all about. I want to invite you into it and give you some ideas that you can maybe hold on to if you're a skeptic. Or if there's someone in your life that is a skeptic that you feel like this class might be a a valuable way to start some conversations, okay? All right, enough with the uh, advertisements. Let me really briefly give us some context for where we are today. We started this series with us. We looked at our role in helping to heal separation from God, and I introduced the idea that we are ambassadors of Jesus, ambassadors. And what that means, put simply, uh, let's put it in the context of our one, the one person that God has put on our heart. As ambassadors of Christ, we are here to represent God to our one. Maybe not even through words, but through our actions, through the way we live, through the way we love. We represent God to them. And as ambassadors, we represent our one to God. We have a responsibility to bring our one to God in prayer, uh, to to walk right into the throne room of God and make an appeal for our one. That's, That's part of our responsibility. So we started with us. The week two, we looked at the grand story of redemption, right? I got out my modern-day flannel graph, and I showed you guys the whole story of how God has, from the very beginning, been working to bring humanity back to himself. And then last week, Marin shared a, a powerful message looking at the, the, the reason why God would do this in the first place, the heart of our Father God. Who is he? Looking at the story of the, the return of the prodigal son, or the lost son, or lost sons. Anyway. That was last week. Well, this week, we're gonna bring it all the way back around to where we started, and that's you and me. We're gonna talk about us. Uh, Specifically, we're gonna talk about how do we not just act towards our ones or towards those in our world that are separated from God, but but how do we speak? Where do we, like, yes, we are supposed to be committed to, to loving them and living out the values of our kingdom, but there will come a day, I believe it, there will come a day when you will have the responsibility to speak. The way the Apostle Peter says it is this, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. In other words, he calls the shots, you do what he does. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So, are you ready? Are you ready to, to articulate the hope that you have? Can you put it into words? Let's say, hypothetically, let's say you dedicate yourself to loving your one. You're all in. You practice grace and generosity and mercy in their lives, just like we talked about. You you don't bash them over the head with spiritual stuff. You don't argue theology with them. You just live like Jesus in their lives. Demonstrate the values of your king. And now imagine you you do this faithfully, maybe for years, but then one day they turn to you and they say, all right, what gives? What gives? What is this all about? Why do you love me so much, so consistently? Why are you so patient with me all the time? Why do you keep showing up every time I, I have a, a, a problem or something? Why are you in my life like this? I have not earned it, so what gives? If they asked you that question, if your one asked you that, what would you say? Are you ready for that conversation? Well, that's actually not uh, hypothetical at all because you've already answered that. You've told us. Back this summer, we sent out a a spiritual health survey uh, asking you to help us understand many different aspects of where you are in your faith. And when it came to this question of of sharing your faith with others, you told us that this one is actually a little bit shaky for you. We asked, do you feel equipped to share your faith with somebody, with people who do not attend church? 30% 30% of you do not feel equipped. 47% feel only somewhat equipped. So, all right, let's do a little math here. 47, 37, 77%, that's like three quarters of you are not saying, yep, I'm all in, I'm ready to go. So you've told us the answer to that. This uh, is clearly something we need to work on. And by the way, that survey, uh, we would love, we got some great responses, but there's one demographic that is not very well represented in the data because you didn't take the survey, and that is people under the age of 35. So if you are under the age, no nope, shame there, but you know, Y'all didn't take the survey, but you could. So here's how to do it. And this, honestly, if you're under age 35 right now, this is one of the most significant ways that you could serve your church right now is by texting "survey" to that number. Get a link to the survey. Take it later today. Do that because that will help us understand what you need in your journey with Christ. How can we serve you? How can we teach you? How can we walk with you? Uh, okay, so that's that's something I'm asking you to do, especially if you're under age 35. Okay, so today, here's what I want to do. I want to begin the process. I'm sure this is not going to be an end in and of itself, but I want to begin the process of helping you feel more equipped to share your faith. Now, don't worry. Uh, Maybe you hear that and you think, oh, here we go. We're going to have to learn a bunch of theological facts or we're going to have to learn a bunch of arguments to defend your faith. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. This has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do, though with understanding your own story. Understanding your own story, understanding how you went from somebody, yourself, who was separated from God, to someone who is now his living representative on the earth, his ambassador, his his royal priest, as I called it a couple weeks ago. How did that happen in your life? What changed, what's the story? And here's why this is important, because I believe that understanding your own story of redemption will prepare you to share that story with others. You don't have to convince them of anything. Just be ready to share what God has done in your life. So here's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be a little different. I'm gonna walk us through a passage in the book of Ephesians in our Bibles. Ephesians 2. It'll be page 977 in the House Bibles. Uh, and and I really want you to have this open in front of you. And I know I say that all the time, and none of y'all ever pick up a Bible. But let me t- or maybe you look at it on your phone. That's fine. But this is why this is important because I'm gonna ask you guys to also be jotting down some notes. And so you can't jot down notes if the Bible is on your phone unless you're going to swap back and forth between apps. So I would love it if you had an open Bible in front of you so you can look at the text, look at the screen, and take notes all at the same time. So can you do that, please? It'll be page 977 in the House Bibles in the seats in front of you. Um, Do whatever you can to have these things open. I know I'm asking a lot, but this week in particular, it's important. So here's what we're going to do. Ephesians 2 is an interesting passage because in it, the apostle Paul essentially tells our story. He tells the story of our transformation in Jesus, how we came back to God. And as we go through it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually take a few moments, give you some space to reflect on your own story, on how, how the things that Paul says are true in your life. Okay, so get ready to jot down some notes, get ready to reflect, uh, and as you're opening up your Bibles to Ephesians 2, let me pray for us, and then we'll begin. Well, Father God, in this moment as we, as we come before you, first of all, thank you for the incredible redemption that you have offered us. We don't deserve it. We did nothing to, to earn it. You have rescued us and brought us back to yourself. Thank you for that. And now, Father, as we consider that story of our own redemption as we think about how to articulate what you've done for us. I pray that you will speak clearly. Your Holy Spirit will, will reveal to us the things that we need to know, the specific details that we don't want to forget. Father, would you speak clearly? And in these moments as we listen to your word, would I just disappear and would your Holy Spirit remain? I pray these things in the name of Jesus who rescued us. Amen. Okay, so let's begin With our story. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live in that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Okay, so that's part one of the story. Once you were dead because of your many sins. So this is how Paul starts the story. Now, I want us to remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago with the flannel graph and all of it. I want to remember how that story began. Because it's important to understanding what Paul is saying here. If you remember, from the very beginning of the story, God intended humans to live with him in Eden, in the garden, in his presence. Right? He intended us to experience life and abundance and peace and joy and fruitfulness and justice. That was—our world was meant to be that. We were meant to eat from the tree of life. But from the very beginning, God also gave us the freedom to choose otherwise. We could choose, if we wanted to, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. That means to to choose for ourselves what's good, to choose for ourselves what's bad. We're gonna decide what's best for us. And of course, that's exactly what we did and what we continue to do. We chose greed and violence and impurity and injustice. And because of those choices, we broke the world. All of the, the pain and hatred and isolation and all of it that happens in our world, It came about because of our selfishness. What I'm describing here is is sin. That's what the Bible calls sin and its consequences. I'll remind you, I I define sin like this. This is just my definition, but sin is our rejection of what God desires for us. He desires Eden and life. We choose something else that's sin. And the consequences are this. When we reject God's offer of life, Well, the consequence is exile, isn't it? It's exile from the garden, metaphorically. It's exile from his presence. And ultimately, it's exile from life itself. It's death. That's that's what we choose. Once you were dead because of your sins, in verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So let's talk about you for a moment how has what I just said been true in your life? How has that been true? How have you lived in, enslaved to your passionate, sinful desires? Now, for some of you, it's easy. You know, you're like, I know exactly what you're talking about because I spent time in my life as completely out of control, right? I was, I was absolutely lost in my sin. Some of you, though, maybe like me, you, you gave up your life of crime and drug dealing and whatever when you were three and became a Christ follower. That's a, a joke. I, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't that, I was pretty a bad kid, right, mom and dad? I like, I, I it took me a second to figure out how to be straight-laced and a good kid, but it didn't, I didn't have like a, anyway, okay, sorry. If you're like me, though, and you, you know, you've been a Christian pretty much as long as you've been aware there still are sin patterns that weave themselves through your life. And there are still ways that you choose to to reject God's offer of life and, and live selfishly and live sinfully, right? So all of us can relate to some degree to this idea that we were dead in our sin. So how has that been true for you? Here's what I want to do. I want to take some time right now and actually give you a few minutes to just listen to the voice of God's Spirit, look back on these three verses that we just read, and and reflect. I'm going to give you some questions to reflect on in this time. How did you used to live as the master of your own universe? Reflect on that. What lies from the evil one did you believe about yourself and your identity? In what ways were you enslaved to your passions and desires? And how were you living exiled from the presence of God? Of God. We'll leave those questions up there. Enrique is going to play a little bit. Thank you, Enrique, and then we are going to uh, come back and continue the story, but take a few moments and just reflect. The good news, and it's very good news, is that the story does not end right there. It doesn't end in verse 3. Let's keep reading and see how the story continues. Once you were dead because of your sins, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, I I showed you how God was not content to let humanity stay separated from from Him forever. He moved into the story. He became one of us, right? Jesus Christ. And He opened up through His death and resurrection, He opened up a way for us to return to Eden. A way through death, a way through sin, a way back into the presence of God. We can return to Eden, return to God's blessing and all the things that he always intended for us to experience, life and joy and peace and abundance and and all of it. We can now experience it. We can now, as Paul says, sit with Jesus in the presence of God. God is so rich in mercy. He gave us life. So, Again, think of your story, think of your experience, and reflect on these questions now. How have you come alive because of Christ? Or how about this? How has your vantage point on the world changed now that you're seated with Jesus? How is your transformed life an example of the grace and the kindness of God? Take some time and reflect on those. Once you were dead, now you are alive. But here's the really cool part. It's still not the end of the story. It's still not the end. Listen to this. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That is how the story ends. We are God's masterpiece. He created us with a purpose. And what is that purpose? Well, it says it right here in verse 10, to do the good things that he planned for us. So what are those good things? Well, let's remember, why did God create humans in the first place? What was our job in Eden? Well, we were made in the image of God. In other words, we were created to be living representatives of God to his creation. We were here to represent God's goodness and life, and creativity and abundance to creation. And as representatives, as royal priests, as ambassadors, we were given the job of representing creation back to God in our worship, in our praise. We were the mediators between God and the creation that he made. That's what we were created to do. We were his masterpiece. And guys, we get to do that again. Even now, even in this broken world, especially in this broken world, we, as as followers of Jesus, we can now live out the values of our King. We can do the work to establish justice on the earth. We can provide abundance for those who are in need. We can demonstrate grace and love and mercy to those who have wronged us. Eden springs up around us wherever we go. That's what we are here to do. That is why we're here We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. That's us. That's you. That's you. That is what you are here to do. In Jesus, that is your purpose. That is your calling. That is your destiny. So take a moment. I just want you to reflect on that. Remember that this is not something you've done. You didn't earn it. This is a gift from our loving God, but you have a purpose. So reflect on this. What has changed in your identity now that you understand how God sees you as his masterpiece? What are some of the good things that he has given you, you, to do? And what are you discovering these days about your purpose, about your calling, about your destiny? Take a few moments and reflect on that. As I said before, it is so important for you to understand your story, your story of redemption, to understand what has changed in your life. Now that you can enter into the presence of God, how are you different? Now that your own separation from God has been healed, understand this so that when somebody asks about your hope as a believer, as Peter says, you'll be ready to explain it. Not to to, again, list out theological facts, but to tell them your story. You can't argue with your experience. This is is what has happened to you. So I encourage you, take some time. I know for some of you that felt like an eternity to reflect, and for some of you it was like, that's it. That's all I get. Take some time this week. I really encourage you, everybody, take some time to to go back over these questions, to reflect on what, what God has done for you, and See if you can articulate your story of redemption in a clear way. And you know what? Practice telling it to somebody. Somebody you trust. Maybe, maybe not someone outside the church. Try it with somebody that you trust who, who attends grace, a family member, a friend, a, a, a colleague, a coworker, somebody. Tell them what's happened in your life. So again, you'll be ready when the time comes to speak. Understand your story and be ready to share it. This is the final piece of how we can join our creator in healing separation from God. In this time of the credibility gap, when people want nothing to do with the church, you are not going to win people over with clever arguments or judgmental condemnation. That's not going to work. You are going to win them over, though, with love and mercy that comes from God. The love and the mercy that is embodied in your life, in your actions, yes, but also in your story of transformation. Be ready to tell it. Well, speaking of moments of transformation and stories of transformation, that's what we're going to see here in just a few moments. We're going to be experiencing baptism. And baptism, as, as you probably know, it is a symbolic act of going under the waters as in dying to our old self and being resurrected with Jesus into our new self. And what we are going to see are people who are telling the world, yes, I have been redeemed. I have been saved because of Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful symbol and an incredible part of being a Christ follower that we get to celebrate those changed lives. But here's the thing. In light of what we just did, looking at your own story, I've got a couple of thoughts for you. Number one, If you are somebody who has been baptized already and you followed Christ and and you've been through this journey of transformation, I want this moment to be a time for you to remember. As you see these changed lives, I want you to reflect and remember on how your own life has been changed, okay? Now, second, some of you, maybe you got baptized in the past, maybe you have been a Christ follower, but for some reason at this point, as you're reflecting on this story, you think, oh man, Only part one really seems to make any sense to me. I'm not in part two or part three. I don't feel like I'm living in the freedom and the the healing of separation. If that's you, and you feel like your faith has drifted, or you feel like you just, you need to to put the stake in the ground again and say, yes, this is important to me to focus on. If that's where you are, I want to invite you to come over here and light a candle. We've got these candles floating in water. It symbolizes the waters of baptism, but this is a way for you to, to rededicate your life to Jesus. There's no shame in coming forward. It is an act in front of your community to say, yes, I am all in because of what he did for me, I'm in. And finally, some of you, perhaps a few of you, you came in here today and you had no intentions of of getting soaking wet in the baptismal tank. But maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You hear the story that Paul tells in Ephesians 2 and you think, I want that to be true of me. Well, if that's you and you are ready to say, yes, I'm ready to follow Jesus, I'm ready to give my life to him, well, we are ready for you. We've got everything you need, towels, shorts, shirts, everything you need back there. The tank is all nice and warm. It's like a straight up hot tub in there. We're ready for you. If today is the day for you to put that stake in the ground and say, I'm in, come on down. I'm going to be down. I got to take these clothes off and change into something else because I'm getting down in the tank too. And I would be honored to baptize you today. So before we do this, let's pray, and then we're going to watch as lives are transformed. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you have done for us. It's such a good reminder that it is a gift. There's nothing that we could do, that we can do to, to earn your favor. We've already got it. You love us. Father, we don't deserve it, and yet, wow, what a transformed world it is that we live in now because of you. Father, in these moments, as we see uh, people declaring to the world that they have chosen to follow you, would you just fill us with hope? Would you fill us with joy? And would you remind us of what you have done for every single one of us? Would your Holy Spirit speak clearly in this time, I pray, in the name of Jesus, who saved us, amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church. And the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.